0: so many times in business and in life people and teams mess up the same things over and over again there are many reasons for this but one reason is that many teams don't pay attention to analyzing prior incidents drawing lessons from them and then implementing those lessons in the future one specific way in which leaders and teams can drive continual learning is through what's called the after action review which we explore in this episode welcome to the indigo podcast An exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please
1: visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, so today's episode is Getting Better Now, The Power of After Action Reviews. So we're going to talk about What are after action reviews and what problems they might help address important elements of the after action review? You know, what is it? What's it? How's the sausage made in an AAR as the cool kids call them and best practices in using after action reviews or AARs for team members, leaders and orgs?
0: That's great. You know, this is a really fun topic. It's an interesting topic. And I think it's one that has some good research evidence behind its importance and effectiveness for leaders, teams, and organizations. So I think let's start with this first piece, which is what the heck is an after-action review? Or as you said, you know, the cool kids call them an AAR, so we'll probably pretend to be cool kids and call them AARs at various points during this episode, and what problems they might help address in teams and in organizations. So, you know, there's been quite a bit of bit research on this, um, but we're drawing from a good summary of some of that research that was written by my friend Alexandra Dunn. She wrote this article in the Encyclopedia of Industrial and Organizational Psychology on after-action reviews, which does a good job summarizing what we know about them. And in that article, in that chapter, uh, she defines after-action reviews as, and I quote, a specific type of work meeting in which employees discuss, actively learn, and attempt to make constructive sense of a recent event during which they collaborated, so maybe we should unpack that a little bit. what do you think chris yeah
1: and and first of all, when you know we discuss this topic as being a appropriate podcast fodder as it were, you know, I just groan because it's Oh no, this is the mandatory family fun time of, all right, now let's learn kiddos, you know, or let's have, I mean, there's a lot of baggage associated with this and, and that's problematic because at its root, it's about learning retrospectively, right? You know, now you try, you try to avoid any bloodshed before you go into an event, but sometimes You go through maybe that, you know, the the plant had to close down because of a crisis or you go through something. You lose a key client and you're three months from going bankrupt. Sometimes the stuff hits the fan. And dear God, you should let your blood. You've already paid the price in blood at that point in that point of your business. You got to learn from that because who wants to bang their face through a brick wall over and over and over on the same problems?
0: Right. Well, and at the same time, an an AAR is not just for when things go poorly. Now, of course, that is a great time to have one, uh, but it's also great to learn from those things that went well, you know, so that you can be intentional about, hey, what did we do really well on that project? What did we do really well in that particular situation? So what are some things that we need to really consider doing more of, right? to be intentional about that learning. Now in this definition this you know it's a type of work meeting, which might make some people say, no, we can't have another meeting. We already have way too many meetings. But you gotta trust us on this one that if you do an AR meeting well, it will be something that adds value to your team and to your organization. It's a really key thing you can start to facilitate as a leader. So, you know, so it's this work meeting where people get together, they they discuss, they actively learn. So it's not just this passive thing. And we'll talk about some best practices and important elements of them a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but as you mentioned, they're trying to, in this meeting, in this conversation, make retrospective sense of something that happened. So retrospective means, you know, something that happened in the past. Um, how do we make sense of it? What did it mean? What are some things that happened? Uh, and the reason this is important is because, you know, everybody has their own perspective and we need to harness everybody's perspective in order for us to learn the right lessons from something that happened, be it something good or something bad. Yeah. And so when, you know, as consultants, when we come into an organization, if I go
1: into a meeting and I watch everybody being quiet, right? While the boss pontificates about whatever, I know that there's not a whole lot of active stuff going on from a team dynamic perspective. Because, you know, we want to learn retrospectively, but that needs to happen through, you know, it's not a passive thing where it's like, okay, this is what happened. Okay, we all learned. All right, back to work, right? Active communication, active listening, and then interpreting what, and we'll talk later in the episode about uh, things you do to facilitate and how do you know that this stuff is going right. But the this is an actively engaged process, which means it can't be campy. It can't be, you know, one of those things that just checks the box. There's a cultural element that you have to curate here that gets people, you know, if you're really doing stuff with this data, people are going to give a rip about it. But if this is a check the box, people are going to check out. And you'll see that in the meetings, you know? So if you're, you're a VP director and you're going around to these meetings where you maybe have a, all right, guys. We're going to do AARs now, and you're going around and looking, and everybody's just kind of ho-de-ho, hum-de-hum, right? Yeah. You know that you don't have what the key pieces for this: active communication, active listening, and then interpretation of what's going down.
0: Right, and I'm so glad you mentioned culture in there because there, you know, there are cultural norms and assumptions that we have that can either enable or constrain this type of activity. So for example, and I think one of the more important ones here with regard to AARs is, you know, in some organizations, it's kind of assumed that truth comes from above, right? The people who have formal positions of authority tell us what to do. We do it. They make the decisions. They do this. They do that. That type of assumption doesn't really work so well within the after a-, a true after-action review conversation, Because you think about it, I just said that one of the reasons that you have these is so you can gather diverse perspectives from people. Well, if truth comes from above, if that's what we go around thinking and acting like that, that's the the case, then it doesn't matter what other people think. But in a good after-action review, you actually are assuming that people have diverse opinions that matter. That truth doesn't necessarily come just from above. It comes from all of us working together to make sense of a situation.
1: Yeah. And we say we want learning organizations. I mean, imagine
0: the job description.
1: You know, you're like, oh, I'm unemployed. No, it's clicking on. All right. We're on the job boards. What's this say? Organization that keeps doing the same things the old ways. Not interested (laughs) in employee feedback. (laughs) Refuses to learn. Oh, wow. That sounds. And the salaries within my pay band. I I think I'm going to apply. No. But that's what you get. You get in. They're like, "Oh yeah, we're dynamic, we're changing," and they're not. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then you you get in there, and this is where, you know, nobody wants to work for an organization that's not learning. But it's going to take some of you guys are going to have to curate a different type of culture within your org because real learning, it means learning that you're not doing everything great. And yeah. we know enough from cognitive psychology and stuff that when it's like. You know, how you doing? One of the times early in Ben and I's working relationship, you know, we collaborate on all kinds of stuff, client work, website stuff, podcast stuff. And he put, like, Ben and I don't do a half-baked effort with each other, but he put something out there and he's like, well, hey, Chris, what do you think? And I was like, eh, B minus. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see it on his face. He's like, ow! <laughs> Ouchie! <laughs> do, you, do you remember that, Ben? The very oh, yeah. first? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it stung. Of course you remember it. But then... <laughs> But now we have this like, you know, rule of thumb where we can do that with each other. It's such a quick conversation. Oh, Chris, that was a D plus maybe (laughs) because I like you. I gave you that was really a failing effort. (laughs) And and it but it stings. But then we have to adapt and learn. And we did on that element. We took it
0: from a B minus to an A plus and. Go ahead, Ben. Well, yeah. So in addition to the cultural value of truth, not only coming from above, there's a cultural value, I think, of humility that has to be in place for an after action review to actually work well. Right. If you don't have that, if people aren't receptive to feedback and maybe, you know, at least open to the idea that they don't do everything perfectly, then it's not going to work. You know, I have been around some after action reviews, these post-incident conversations, whatever you want to call them, where people will blame everybody and everything outside of themselves, right? Um, and Whose fault is this? One, two, three, not it. Not yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's, it, I mean, it's kind of human nature. You know, we can talk about attribution theory and all kinds of psychological reasons why it's the case, but, it, you know, you have to be willing to look yourself in the mirror in these types of situations to make these work well. So, you know, I think your point is well taken that many organizations say they want to do a lot of organizational learning, but they don't actually do it. Well, the after action review, if done correctly and done well with the right intent and some of these elements that we'll talk about actually is a great way to drive some organizational learning. So the idea behind these is to drive some conversation. And here's the important outcome, a shared understanding among the team, among the team members about how they make sense of different situations, about how they understand what success looks like, what failure looks like, how they can get better. Yeah, and and these things are fraught.
1: And it, it's kind of, you know, you think about the formation of the team type stuff where they talk about forming, norming, storming, all those elements. You're going to have, if you don't have this in your organization right now, there's going to be this weird adjustment process as you actually go to these kinds of things. Now, if you're driving real conversation, that means, all right, we're going to talk about the real stuff that's going on in this org. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, yes, boss. Yes, boss, man, you're so good at the boss. Oh, wow. You look so great today, boss. Like that's not going to be the kind of conversation. And that's not even sometimes the conversation won't even be with the boss. You know, Sarah tells Tim, Tim, dude, when you don't get me that information, we fail. And, the first time you have these real the first time it oh my god it got real. Sometimes in orgs you see it gets real. What do people do? How how much deeper can I get my head in the sand on this part? <laughs> <laughs> what run away? The storm shall pass, right? No, no, you want to keep pushing through that stuff because at first it's awkward and horrible and it injures. Ooh, that was a B minus. Ow, ow. But if you're holding a collaborative alliance with each other, and the goal is really to becoming a learning organization, learning, developing team, eventually you'll see it kick over. It'll be awkward, horrible. Maybe there's even some yelling. Maybe, you know, (laughs) these have some verbal fights and, you know, jump in a lake, Susan, you know, (laughs) and and those kinds of things. But that's okay. That's part of it. You're getting over and eventually it kicks over. And then people know that, hey, we're going to have these like. And I don't want to use a term brutally honest because the goal here is not to brutalize people. No, it's to brutalize the things that need improvement and actually moving to those improvement. And and those conversations will kick over. And then all of a sudden it becomes this really healthy, the the keyword psychologically safe environment to talk about what is daggone really the heck going on in this place and how does we make it not horrible anymore?
0: Yeah, and this Come is where on. this is where intent, <laughs> intent and motive really, really matters, right? If I'm offering you feedback, either in an AR or just interpersonally, maybe it's a one-on-one type thing, if I offer you feedback um, and you don't really think that I have your best interest in mind, it, it it's worse, right? But if I tell you that you have a you know your work was a B minus or a C or something, and at the same time, you know, in the marrow of your bones that I have your best interest in mind. And then I'm only telling you that because I, I know that you can be awesome and I want you to be want you to be awesome. Then it's easier to accept. Right. Same thing happens in these ARs. There has to be the, the right motives in place, the right intentions. Otherwise, it's going to be just another performative act that we do in organizations to check the box and say that we're a learning organization. So we don't want that. Now, there can be informal after-action reviews, and there can be formal ones, right? So the formal ones, which is oftentimes what people think of with, when we talk about these types of things, is the, the post-incident review or you know something really bad happened and we got to investigate it. This is the root cause analysis or something like that, which that might be an after-action review and certainly should be something that you do if something really goes wrong. You want to figure out what happened, but you can also have informal after-action reviews, something that's more of a, hey, let's have a conversation after something happened and uh, talk about what went well, what didn't go well, what we can do for the future, because there's also those little things that you can tweak and get better on, right? And I remember some of the early research that I did when I was in graduate school on the topic of after-action reviews, which I did among firefighters. I got to go stay in the fire station at one of the busiest uh, firehouses in the area where I was and... Uh, you know, I, I slept there, I ate with the firefighters, got to know them, um, you know, on, I I would sleep with my shoes on because they said, Hey, yeah, you can come out on calls with us, but if you're late to the fire truck, we're leaving without you, obviously. Right. So, um, you know, the the alarm goes off, you get up, you jump in the truck. And like 10 seconds later, the, the garage door would be going up and we'd be going out the door to, to a call. And, you know, one, one way that they would have an after action review of sorts was in what, how they would talk about things on the way back right and they they talk about kind of what went well what didn't go well that was one way to, to do it right you could have that be an even more targeted and more facilitated conversation if something was bigger you know they there was a large fire that we responded to one time and uh, afterwards i think it was like the next day or so they got together and had a more formal discussion about it which is, was was appropriate so you can have this kind of spectrum of formal to informal with regard to an after action review and i think that the important takeaway for leaders is you don't want to get so caught up on making these grand formal events that you don't do them, right? You want to make sure that it's something that's manageable and useful.
1: Yeah, you know, I think about software development. When you release new software, often releasing becomes easy. When you wait a long time, there's a lot of stress, drama, and fake promises about what it'll deliver. And then it's a crash and burn and everybody points a finger. When you reflect often, it becomes easy to reflect. It becomes just part of the cultural ethos of how you do stuff but when you make them into these big formal events with everybody standing maybe there's a powerpoint slide maybe there's a stern person at the whiteboard with a marker that doesn't work you know those (laughs) kinds of things you know you never have markers when you want to write something serious on a whiteboard (laughs) you're like i'm so angry i'm gonna write something as soon as i find a working (laughs) mark ah, moment lost right but you know when you make them seldom and it becomes hard and you don't do you want to learn all the time or do you just want to learn in chunks occasionally? <laughs> you know, the answers all the time. So these informal, I have a bias, especially when you're starting this off in your organization it, to start off informally. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Ben, we're both in the military. That's the first time I really got into AARs. What are some examples? I mean, you're over in the Navy, so.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we would oftentimes do some sort of after action review. We would call it like a hot wash. It's another name for it. Um, But oftentimes after doing some sort of special type of operation. So things that we would do, for example, you know, a special thing for a ship is coming in and out of port. Right. It's a pretty mundane thing for an outsider, but moving a, you know, uh, if you can't do that, you're, you're in trouble as a captain of a ship. And honestly, there's, there's, there's 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 these routine things on, on ships. There's a lot of stuff that could really go wrong. Right. So, you know, moving a, a, a 500 plus foot long warship into the Harbor in San Diego, you know, I I can kind of remember how to do that even now it's been, you know, 15 plus years since I've done that. I can remember a lot about how to do that. Right. Um, Because I did it so much. But, you know, after you get into port, your peer side, everything's safe, um, you know, saying, okay, let's get together as a team and let's talk about what went well, what didn't go well during that particular um, evolution, as we may call it, or that particular situation. And that's a time for people to share that type of information. So that was one example. Um, many examples, in, at least in the Navy, come from aviation, where um, certainly you know, the, the stakes are pretty high when you are flying things. Because if things go wrong, the helicopter or the plane can go down, which, which is, is never a good thing. So um, you know, oftentimes after action reviews are a key part of that, that culture as well. Um, and then, of course, we would do, you know, I guess this is maybe a little bit more of an army centric example because I kind of played army for the year that I was in Afghanistan. Um, you know, after we would do some sort of movements and go outside of our camp, which we did on a very regular basis, as I know you did as well, um, you know, we would oftentimes talk about things that maybe went well or didn't go well. And I think we probably could have even done that more, but it definitely helped us kind of learn, especially for newcomers, help newcomers learn because we always had new people coming and going. What about you? Yeah, I mean,
1: we, we have that stuff in the military, same thing, um, you know, sometimes done well, sometimes not. Now, one sure. of the things from like what I'd say the typical legacy business environment that comes out of old school, you know, PMP project management, professional type management stuff is they have this stuff called organizational process assets. So the deal was, you you know, you you get your stakeholders meetings, you have a project charter, you launch user acceptance, you close the project, it's probably late and over budget, everybody <laughs> finger points, right? Their AAR is the yelling, finger pointing, staring at their feet, doing the timid leg on the carpet, and then, and then they're off to the next one. But if you look at the literature in the project management, like Book of Knowledge, the PMBOK, you know, they'll talk about consolidating assets of like what did we learn we should reflect on our learning before we launch the next project maybe we have so like better checklist templates and stuff now the reality in the business world is seldom do people take the time to do that yeah and so they keep doing their projects kind of crappy honestly you know because they don't stop and learn um and because it's formalized and has all this cultural stress around it And there's no way for them to capture that knowledge, share and improve the functioning of their project managers in that org. So the typical business environment, they talk about it. I don't see a whole lot of people
0: actually doing it, sadly. Right, right. Now, that's not to say that the typical business environment is not suited for after action reviews. I would argue that they are suited for after action reviews and they can be of tremendous value outside of the military, outside of the fire service and law enforcement and other types of uh, organizations that do those types of things, right? Typical business environment, we can do this, right? Because we're, regardless of kind of the industry or uh, the sector, as teams and as organizations, we're going through experiences together. And these types of experiences can help us learn, and this is a one key way in which you can really drive that as a leader. So, you know, I also think it's interesting um, to to look at some of the examples that come from the agile world. So, you know, you're super familiar with all of that. Um, there's this idea of the retrospective. Um, what's the retrospective, Chris? Well, actually, there's two. So, yes, you know, everybody is. thinks that the the AAR,
1: but there, there's a sprint review yep. and a sprint retrospective. And I like when you break it down into these kind of food groups, it helps people focus their conversation. So what's the difference? So, so the review talks about the work that did or did not get done during the sprint interval and why. You know, oh yeah, we were super successful at that because you know, Philson like had this breakthrough idea or whatever. Um And, oh, this didn't get done because we didn't sync this way or, hey, there's another business dependency that blocked us from completing, you know, those kinds of things. So that focuses on the actual work. So they do basically an AAR on the work. And then they do an AAR on the team, which I love. And this is in the retrospect. uh, um, Yeah, sprint review, then sprint retrospective. The retrospective says you know how how do we improve with a focus on people processes relationships and tools and so they're even subdividing so not only are we going to get better at how we do the work and accomplish the work and remove roadblocks but gosh darn it we're going to focus on ourselves as a team yeah people do we have the right people philson you stink man you never deliver on your promises right you know uh, processes. Hey, hey,
0: gay, lay off of Filson is doing better. You know, so. <laughs> you keep our... saying that, but the, the vote's still out. <laughs> <laughs> he so, still makes mistakes. <laughs> so, so
1: people, processes, are, are the processes that we use as a team? Was email appropriate for this? Was SharePoint, right. you know, all this kind of thing. Relationships, you know, like sometimes I just want to punch Filson in the face and, like, okay, we got to bury the hatchet here. How do we focus on healing our relationships if there's rifts? Maybe there's communication styles. Maybe we don't understand each other. And then tools. Do we have the tools we need as a team to operate as a team? And here's the thing is they do it at every sprint interval. Now, a sprint are between one to four weeks. The longer a sprint is. Which is is just a
0: chunk of time in which you're going to get some stuff done. Yeah, it's time. It's
1: time boxing, right? You know, if you don't put a stick in getting done on stuff, stuff keeps slipping. Oh, we'll be another week late, another, another month late, another year late. You know, you guys see that out in the workplace. But, you know, these ideas of, you know, doing that review and then they don't just be like, okay, that's what we'll do next time and then go back to work as usual. Like better scrum masters, better people that have an agile organization will say, all right, next sprint, which one of these are we going to tackle and improve this next sprint? Yeah. So we're not having these same problems kick the can over yeah, and so, over. So to be even over.
0: more explicit, it's like we have our sprint review and our retrospective on a Friday, and it's like, hey, what are we going to do Monday differently so that we can get better? And I, I just love that.
1: Yeah, so Agile Environment has, and and this if notice how all this stuff will just come apart if you're not curating a culture that will embrace this kind of learning and growth which means if you actually get that feedback, it's like the gosh darn uh, survey, employee surveys. Okay, thank you for your impact uh, input. We're now not going to do anything with that. (laughs) If you don't execute and improve, the quality of your AARs is going to tank. And so that's why I like the agile people. We hate to wait. Let's launch some improvement right now.
0: Outstanding. So we've talked about what an AAR is and the problems it's trying to solve in, in terms of driving some organizational learning. Let's talk about some important elements of after action reviews. So the basic structure of an after action review, if you boiled it down to maybe its most uh, you know elemental pieces, would be talking about three different questions. You know, what went well, what went poorly and what can be learned for next time? those are the basics but we'll talk about some more that goes into this as well too
1: right so okay i mean that's easy like okay so this went well you know we were on the objective at the right time the intel was good or what went well hey we had a good project scope and all the tools we needed to start the project on time OK, great. So we should try to do that in the future. You know, then what went poorly? Well, we lost a key um, software developer two days before the project kickoff and it took us three months to hire a replacement. OK, so like looking at maybe employee risk and everything. what can be learned for next time? And you you talk about some of those elements. So, you know, those three questions seem pretty good. But let's talk about the elements that yeah. this is the real how the sausage
0: is made in AARs. Yeah, so you have that basic structure, but then there are some kind of underlying really important elements that help to support that structure actually working and getting you towards learning anything. And the first one is having active versus passive learning, right? This is where whoever's facilitating the after action review uh should really encourage everyone who's involved to participate and be actively involved. They're not just sitting there listening to the leader's perspective on what went well and what didn't go well. It should be an open exchange of information, active learning. Uh, You know, no one should just be kind of sitting there passively receiving information. Um, The leader should encourage everybody to uh, engage in some discovery, some self-discovery, some, um, you know, looking in the mirror, trying to figure out what what went well, what went poorly, and sharing that. Yeah, the you can tell when people are actively learning. They're like,
1: okay, we're all here. I'm, I'm here to get information to help me do better and us do better as a team, right? And, you know, if that's not happening, you got to look at the format, the way you're conducting these AARs, and you got to look at, you know, the cultural elements there. You know, you might need to do some, you know, one-on-one like, hey, let me take you out to lunch. Why do our AARs stink? Cause yeah. it doesn't seem like people are
0: actively learning which means you got to have a good reason for doing an AAR. Sure, sure. And the reason goes into the next element, which is the reason should be about development and learning. Uh, You know, it's not about trying to assign blame. They should not be focused on some sort of judgmental or administrative procedures to to ferret out who's to blame for stuff. If that's the intent, people are going to clam up. They're not going to actively participate. It's really going to you know disrupt your ability to get things done from a from a learning's perspective. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, Chris, this idea of psychological safety, and this is really important in the context of an after action review because people need to feel like they can take some interpersonal risks and and say what they actually saw, what they observed, what they're feeling about the event. Um, and, and some of those things can be a little bit dicey at times, but they have to be feel like they can do it in a safe environment. Um, This is not the place to be doing a performance appraisal or review, (laughs) right? Uh, That's not what an AR is about. It's about development, learning, and developing a shared understanding of what happened and how you can do better in the future.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you want that active learning, active listening, active engagement. You can tell in the meetings if it's happening or not. Um, So fix those cultural elements if it's not. You have an intent which is to develop you guys as an organization, right? So, or as a team, as an individual, because you want to be higher performing team. You want to beat your competitors in the competitive landscape. If you're a learning organization, I mean, it's kind of a low bar. Most places don't do this well. You want to find some competitive (laughs) advantage, like hidden in the sofa cushions, so to speak. Here's how you do it, Right. And the, and the, here's one of the things you also got to do. You got to box it around. All right. How do we improve? Gosh, that's so broad. Yeah. When AARs are event specific and it helps people to chunk it down. It's like, okay, based on releasing this product, based mm-hmm. on, okay, we, we went to a client meeting that went badly or it went really well. Let's deconstruct what happens there. Make it event specific so you can focus that conversation into specific concrete ways you guys can improve.
0: That's fantastic. And the last important element that I would encourage our listeners to consider with regard to AARs is make sure that you have multiple information sources that are reflected within the context of that conversation. It shouldn't just come from the group leader or the facilitator. And this is why, you know, I think it's really tricky, especially if you're, it's always like, especially if you're a great leader and people really respect you and you are really competent, you're actually not, Probably the best person to be facilitating it because people are just going to be hanging on at your every word and wanting to hear what you have to say. So sometimes it's really important once you kind of get a team organized around this idea of an after action review um, and they kind of know how, what it looks like and what and how it should function, have somebody else facilitate. Or you could even have you could rotate that facilitator role among different group members so that it's not just the leader talking. It's not just the person who has the formal authority kind of you know, bestowing truth from above for everyone to benefit from. So make sure you have uh, many diverse perspectives being heard in the meeting. Yeah, and this is, this is gear shifting, gang,
1: as, as leaders, right? Yeah. So you come in, maybe it's a lower functioning team. You have to take the reins. You may have to say, you know, Janet, you're doing this, Sarah, you're doing that, Bill, you're doing this. You may have to be that way, but you can only be so effective. You can only organize at a certain size if you have to give directives and commands. And so you that's one command and control style leadership. And a lot of people poo poo on that style of leadership. But that's an important gear to have. I mean, it's definitely important in the military. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, the captain of a ship, Ben, makes the call at certain right. points, right? But you also want to have a team of leaders, which means you're developing everybody within that org to be a leader. And when you give an AAR, this is just a platform for a way of organizing around group learning. And so now you have a team full of leaders, right? I mean, it's just that easy to snap your fingers, right? No. <laughs> I mean, you you get to that point where you have a bunch of leaders and, and now you have leaders and you, you can dial into the command and control type scenario when that's appropriate. Somebody's making the shots on the ground at a very specific time, maybe a business call or something. There's generally one person that's kind of facilitating, guiding. But then you also have a modality where you have a cohort of leaders who, and they gotta learn and practice this, guys, they can self-organize. And then individuals, as they practice, as you practice dialing into these gears, the group cohort will instinctively know, ooh, this is where command and control is good. Oh, this is good is where we facilitate and cohort approach this stuff. And and the team just, and this is a key point, point. and agile people think, well, agile scrum, and it's how we do software. No, agile at its base level lizard brain self is sensing and responding to environmentally, you know, Stimuli that comes in right and teams and stuff can sense what's happening. And then when you've helped coach and train and practice these different ways of organizing and learning through the AAR, that kind of stuff, the org starts to know how to completely adjust itself organically to the appropriate response to what the situation demands. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think those are some great points in in suggesting how. The after action review itself is, is reflective of and can actually start to encourage other types of organizational learning writ large in an organization, which is fantastic. You know Some things that I think people should watch out for in an after action review if you're facilitating these is, you know, first of all, don't make it something where you're just blaming one person or just blaming external forces for something that went wrong. That's not particularly helpful. Um, you need to, now there might be some external forces and maybe some particular people who did something wrong, but you want to go further. You want to dig deeper and see what else pe- perhaps went on. You also want to make sure that if you're doing this in a team setting, which is pretty much necessary by definition, that you're not just listening to the loudest or the most powerful group members. If, it, if those are the only people that are talking, those are the only people being heard, then you're not firing on all cylinders. You're going to have to draw out more information from other people and perhaps, you know, do things like saying, well, great. That, uh, thank you very much, Susan, for your input. Filson, I really want to hear from you. What did you see as something that went well here or something that we could have done better um, to really make sure that Filson, you know, sometimes Filson gets intimidated and you got to make sure that you, you draw him out of his introverted self a little bit sometimes because <laughs> he, he does have good things to say. I'm rooting for Filson. Um You also want to make sure that you don't brush over or ignore some small aspects, some seemingly small aspects of something that went well or went wrong with regard to a specific event that actually could be really important, right? So sometimes, you know, if you come into the meeting, for example, as the leader, as a facilitator with your preconceived notion about what went well and what didn't go well, then you might be blind, if you're not listening really carefully to some of the things that people are saying. So those are some things to, to watch out for. And the last thing that I'd, I'd mention here is, again, you can use AARs when things go wrong, as you should, but you can also use them when things really went well, because the idea is to learn about what to do, what, what types of things you should continue doing, what types of things you should stop doing, and you know maybe some things that you should consider doing in the future.
1: Yeah, so if you've got a sales guy uh, right, and he's going out, and he discovers like, oh man, when I use this certain language, people hop on our product like hotcakes, right? Mm-hmm. And well, but I'm going to be the top salesperson in the entire org, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to keep that little treasure to me, right? <laughs> now, if you're in the C-suite, you're like, gosh darn it, man, right? But look at how an incentive structure, yeah, being the best salesperson can actually stop organizational learning after action reviews, and all this kinds of stuff, right? And so you can't, you got to be careful about the structure. And this is kind of hinting what we're about to talk about how to use this best practices for some of that kind of stuff is, you know, when something goes well, you want to reward um, people who will share that information. And so that's, you know, maybe it's a bunch of individual contributors, but they do make a sales team, you know, they're, I go out and do this individually, but I am kind of in a reporting structure of other people that do similar stuff. It's not just an incident where a team goes through that incident. This is about how do we sense and respond? How do we learn? How do we debrief and capture that knowledge as an organization? So you have to have, you can, I mean, it's easy to do on the team. All right, the team leader is going to say, all right, guys, round up, we're AARing this. <laughs> but it's a little bit more challenging Because it's how do you after action review what's going on your org at all facets of the organization? You know, does accounting do this? You know, Okay, we had our audit. What could we have done to help the audit go more smoothly? You know, these are places that tend to not get this kind of AAR learning and development piece.
0: Right. And And at the same time, it's something that they should be considering doing because the value is there for them. So let's move now to talk about some best practices in using after-action reviews uh, for team members, leaders, and organizations, along with some implications for all of them. And I think the, the first best practice, and again, we're drawing upon this, this great article from my friend Alex Dunn, um, is to hold them frequently, right? You kind of mentioned this earlier, Chris, where if you're only doing this you know, very infrequently, then it's going to be harder to do, harder to do well. It's going to be kind of more of a... It check the type thing. yeah, Or it's, yeah, or it's c- drama. It's like, right. oh, no, we got to talk about this. Oh, no, oh, no. Who's right. going to get the blame? Deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So holding them frequently and making it routine, you know, it helps people see, that hey, this is how we do stuff. This is, a, you know, a, an important part of how we do things as a team. And it can help people learn continuously from the events that you're talking about. Uh, you know, you don't want to also, like, if you're only doing these once a quarter, then, and, and that's your cadence for some weird reason, then, well, you know, maybe it's helpful, but you're also just putting off your learning until yeah, the end do of you the only quarter. want to learn once a quarter. <laughs> all right, guys, I looked at,
1: you know, I looked at my outlook and it looks like I have time to learn twice this year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just like, right. But this is what goes on all the time. And, and and people accept it. But when you look at it and you're like, wait a minute, this
0: isn't right. Really? Yeah, Come on. Exactly, exactly you know so the the next um, best practice uh, is that you should provide explicit opportunities for participants to compare the current incident to previous incidents to identify some potential patterns be they positive or negative now this is, it sounds it sounds reasonable right uh this also implies that you're somehow documenting and perhaps have some knowledge management around your after action reviews, which is a a great idea. You got to do it right. This is why I have a bias to the informal is because you're just
1: going to talk about it. You're going to get a little bit of value. Maybe you'll make a change the next sprint or okay on Monday, or maybe we do like a hackathon where we swarm an idea Kaizen event, so to speak for your team. Right. Um, that's generally where it can go in most organizations, which if you do that, you're already ahead of the game because a lot of orgs don't do this. But knowledge management is one of the biggest challenges for organizations. If you think your org does it well, send me an email and let's get on the phone. Let me just put it that way. And and I'll talk to you about where the gaps generally are. But think about it. Okay, we're going to write down our learning. Or are you going to put that in a filing cabinet in your desk like old school, hipster style? I do everything on paper. Or are going to pay a lot of money to some big software organization to have a knowledge management tool? Oh, we're going to... Look, we launched an internal wiki. Oh, but nobody's really using your wiki, are they? Organizing this data. Okay, we're gathering it. Now, how do we do something with it? And let's say you have the best filing program ever, but then nobody's going to go find. All right, we're about to do this. Didn't we do this last year? Go find the AAR from last year so that our blood can help us now this year. And it's really really challenging to be able to. I mean, on the surface, it sounds good. We're mm-hmm. going to compare our current incident with previous times we've done this. But the execution of that is such a challenge. Yeah. That yeah, like reach out to us if you want to know <laughs> about how to do some of that well, but just be thinking about yeah. that as a leader,
0: and I, I think even without a formal, you know, knowledge management system, you could probably do this to some degree. If it's like a recurring thing that you're doing within your team, where you could say, "Hey, hey, remember what we talked about last time with 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 you know when we did this last week? You know, how does this compare with that?" Um, so, because the whole idea here again is about learning and seeing patterns, uh, and another, some of that is is like, "Hey, if it doesn't happen often, how are you going to access that stuff?" But if it happens
1: regularly. That needs to inform your SOPs, your standard operating yeah. procedures. That should You should be improving your baseline behaviors rather than this kind of like incident response kind of you know model, right.
0: so to speak. You know, another piece of this, another best practice is to drive some creativity in thinking. And one way to do this is to encourage group members to maybe think about the situation from someone else's perspective, right? Thinking about it from the client's perspective, thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, maybe one of the other external stakeholders um, to really start to help people see it a little bit differently to break out of their own kind of normal way of, of viewing the incident. That's just another, another best practice. Um, and then also along with that, encouraging that open sharing environment that we've talked about. Um, without, I mean, I think that's probably one of the most important ones and also one of the most tricky ones to really get right. Right. The development of hive mind versus groupthink.
1: Mm. All right. Group think somebody. Oh, yeah, this is just what it is. And then maybe it's not. And if you don't have an open sharing culture, that open sharing environment, you'll never you could be group thinking your way to business destruction. And you won't know because you're asleep at the wheel. Meanwhile, you ingest a new employee that saw one of your competitors do something different, has a different perspective. But because the norm is not open sharing environment. You'll never get to learn it. And so one of those things might be. Um, all right, Ben, tell me what you thought I was thinking when I was standing over on the far side of the objective, or tell me what you're thinking when I was on this side of the call. Well, I, I thought this because you said the following things. Oh, that really makes sense why you thought that. Let me tell you what I was really thinking or seeing. And then all of a sudden, this allows a group picture to emerge from many lenses, right? We talked about the fable of the elephant where like five blind guys go to check out an elephant for the first time in India. And, you know, one of them's feeling the leg, one of them's feeling the trunk, one of them's feeling the side. They don't really have a picture on their own about what, you know, they're blind, right? But when they talk and share each other's perspective, they get a more holistic view of what's going on. Curate that. As a leader in your org, is something to perspective taking and then perspective sharing so that you can start to get hive mind, which is better. Ooh, now through many lenses, we see clearly versus groupthink. This is the de facto way we look at things and we silence opposition.
0: Sure. Another best practice is to be quick to accept responsibility, but slow to assign blame. I think that's a great one because, you know, you want to be able to uh, move the conversation forward in a productive way uh, and assigning blame oftentimes can make people very, very defensive. But if it's something that maybe you as a leader or you as a team member said, hey, you know, (laughs) that's something I should have done better, right? If everybody's doing that, then there's no need to assign blame anyway, right? Because let's say one person did screw up. If you have a culture where people are quick to accept responsibility, then more likely than not that person's going to say hey look i know i screwed that part up right now it's going to take some a really mature team with really good values really good cultural norms uh, and good communication patterns to get there but that's what the high performing teams do another best practice is to you know use these after action reviews as opportunities to look for those different holes that you may have in the performance of your team because this could provide some Insight into gaps that you may have in training, in skill or knowledge development.
1: Yeah, just think think of a group where it's like, oh, Filson failed us on that one. Versus, you know, oh, I guess we'll just, you know, Filson's inadequate. We'll have to send him to training. You know that 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 kind of feedback versus, okay, uh, we did this. We met. Oh, look, um. We needed this to happen. Filson was on that side of thing, but it didn't happen. What happened over there, Filson? Oh, well, shoot, man, you're not even trained on that. Let's fix that Mm -hmm. so we could do better. Do you see how that it's the same kind of what happened, but it's a total different cultural response and communication norm that creates and builds capacity, capability, learning, a desire to develop and get better versus punitiveness, that beats people down and makes them look for the door.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, the last best practice is something that I'd kind of characterize as, uh, you know, stick with it, be perseverant in your attempts to be a learning organization through AARs. And that's, you know, revisit, uh, reinforce different things that you've come up that are coming up in your AARs over time. Uh, You know, I love your example of the agile team that says, hey, this is something that went... Not so great during our last sprint. Here's why we're going to behave differently Monday. Um, so take some discipline. It really does as, as a team and as a leader, and you should all be holding each other and yourselves responsible and accountable for making sure that that happens. So now why don't we talk through a couple implications, um, a few other ideas for team members, leaders, and organizations with regard to ARs to really start to make these things work well.
1: Yeah, so if you're an individual contributor, you're just on the team. And let's say the organization starts to do these things and they're doing it badly. You need to go help the organization learn. You can suffer through it. You're like, if you just don't mind, just want to check the box every day. I get it. Sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze because there's (laughs) no way that org's changing for anything. Get your experience. Go find an organization that will adapt and change. But you're not powerless here. You can do some nudging. Hey. Here's a podcast on how to do these AARs <laughs> better boss, <laughs> you know, you know, stuff like or you could just talk about like, hey, I feel like we do this time, but we never really review before we launch on one of these things. We never go look and say, hey, have we AAR this kind of event before. Let's like learn from our past failures so we don't make those going in. That's you, right. You, you can do something as a team member without being in charge.
0: Yeah. So if you don't have the formal authority, you can still be a leader. You can still encourage these types of conversations and be a helpful participant when they do happen. So you can really start to, start to shape that even from, from your position. If you are in a position of formal authority, if you're the leader of a team, a department, or maybe of the whole organization, I think using some of the best practices we talked about here certainly can be helpful. Uh, facilitate these conversations frequently, but at the same time, be sure to not be kind of the focal part of the conversation. Try not to dominate the conversation. Maybe even start to let other people facilitate the AARs, rotate that around. You want this to be something that gets embedded into your culture and your process and isn't dependent on you being there, right? Just because maybe you couldn't attend the AAR for that week shouldn't mean that learning stops. Someone should be able to pick up that ball and continue to run with it.
1: Yeah, you should do these so often that anybody on your team could run it. Absolutely. they You know, they shouldn't even... I mean, you can give them some coaching and training, but at a base level, they're like, oh, hey, you know, Susan, do the AAR, will you? I got to go to this other meeting. And you should be able to know that they've seen it so many times that they know the behaviors and how you guys AAR stuff there, right? Right. And culture, you have to make it open, honest. You need to put the kibosh on the beat down bro culture and those kinds of things that happen all the time. Anything that stops, you want more possibilities, not shutting down exploration and mental activity around how do we get better.
0: Right, right. And I think at the organizational level, there are a few things that that could be considered to support the useful use of AARs. And one of them is to, you know, talk to your leaders about this. Talk about, talk about this in your leader development programs. Um, I, I have not seen many organizations that have uh, Im, truly embedded uh, training on after-action reviews in their leader development programs. But I think that could be very helpful, right? You know, because we want leaders to drive organizational learning. Here's one way to do that. Uh and this goes hand in hand with creativity and innovation, of course. And so encourage the use of them, um, provide tools for doing them, ideas on how to do them. And you know, I think if you're going to perhaps for some of your ARs do them more formally. And and particularly I've seen this in organizations um with regard to safety incidents. Uh you know, you'll so you'll see this in manufacturing environments. I've seen it in the fire service reporting of near misses. When things maybe almost happened that were really bad, or maybe something happened, but it could have been a whole lot worse. How do we learn from those? That's where the systematic knowledge management piece comes into play so that we can learn the right lessons from all of these different things, look for trends and patterns, and that's going to require another level of analysis and management at the organizational level, but it can be really helpful. And you know, if, if your true intent is, hey, we want to drive our safety um, you know, up and our incidents down, well, then you're going to have to be systematic about it. And that's that's another level of attention. Right. And this can
1: affect your insurance rates. I know some people in yeah. risk that will go look at hospitals and manufacturing environments and say, like, cool, show me how you capture learning around incidents.
0: Mm. Sure. And if
1: they don't have a mature program, they get a higher rate on their insurance. As because, they should. Yeah. They are like <laughs> what the, these numbskulls aren't learning. Yeah. They're a risk for us as insurers, right? They're not listening to Ben and Chris. Give them higher insurance rates. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, and <laughs> here, but here's another piece, because Ben will be brought in to help organizations, turn them around, spruce things up, all that stuff. And the management team says, great, go fix our org, but we don't want to change. No. Now, if you're a leader, like a high level leader that has organizational remit, and you're not practicing what you preach in this regard, it's going to fail in your organization. Maybe you don't even try it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It's bad. But let me tell you, let's say you do start with your teams and you build a robust culture around and these teams share how to do this well with other teams. All of a sudden, all your teams, your accounting, your HR, your IT, your manufacturing, all the teams are doing this really well. Well, now it's going to make demands on you. Everybody's improving in your org, but you, you're looking like the Filson up there like the total like who put these jack wagons in charge of the org it's going to require you to change maybe how you even organize your teams how you do your hiring and firing and performance reviews when the organization really becomes sense and respond and learning it will make demands on the org to improve itself and no element of the business is immune to that change it's it's you'll be surprised at the kind of ideas you're like, holy moly, where are these ideas coming from? Be ready to facilitate that. So if you're not modeling it yourself, you, you better get yourself right if you really care about improving, right? And if you send it down to the bottom of the org and they really do it right, they're going to start bubbling up ideas and you will. And this is hard. It's challenging. It's more late nights at the office for people that are at the top levels of the org. You will need to respond and have a feedback culture and all this other stuff to change how you operate. And they're going to tell you, you know what, CEO? You stink. You know, <laughs> you you now you don't have to, that's where you got a model like, ooh, I got a C minus on being a CEO. Oh, guys, what do I got to do to get an A? Great, I'll do it. And right. you execute on those items. And if if these kinds of push, pull, and demands for change and challenging, sometimes painful growth are not happening, you should be concerned about the direction and velocity of your business.
0: So today on the Indigo podcast, we've talked about getting better now. The power of after-action reviews. We've talked about what are after-action reviews and what problems they might address. We've talked about some important elements of them, and we've talked about some best practices in using after-action reviews to drive innovation and learning for everyone. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.